Two of Swords. Indecision, impartial, mediator, standstill. When the Two of Swords appears, you are putting off making a decision for now. You may be feeling ambivalent or uncertain. You may not want to offend or hurt someone. The Two of Swords may represent the need for withdrawal in order to contemplate others. Be rational in making a decision. This card may indicate that you need to know more facts before you can make an informal decision. The Two Swords could also indicate that you're ignoring your emotions, using logic to deny how you're feeling. You may be denying the truth or compartmentalizing some aspect of your life in order to not have to deal with it. While it may be true that ignorance is bliss, ignorance or denial can cause you to remain stuck in circular thinking or emotional patterns. Ooh. That's really deep. <laughs> What's uh, What part of that... Uh that's a long chunk of text. What part of that kind of resonated with you? Was there anything there that kind of stood out that you're like, ooh? Be rational in decision-making. This card may indicate that you need to know more facts before making a decision. Does that make you worried that you've got to question something that you might have already <laughs> done? I'm just like trying to do the opposite of that right now. Like the less information, the better sometimes. Like I feel like I try and perfect everything and i feel like i'm getting slightly better at being rational but i'm not getting more information about it i'm trying to get 90 percent of the way there and then just like okay just got to do this because the marginal benefit <laughs> is just depleting like i'm wasting time now i know enough i'm just going to jump into this thing oh the amount of times i second guess like every tiny little thing in my life and i'm just like well that's a waste of time because no one else is going to second guess this or care I might as well just do it. Oh, so like you're trying to lose a bit of that rigidity to your decision making. Exactly. Right. Um, like the most ideal example and perfect example of that is drafting a Facebook status or something like that. I'll literally agonize over a word and it's just like, no one's actually going to read this. They're going to see a pretty picture and like it or scroll straight past it. Like... That's what I'm trying to get better at. That's a hard truth, Jaden. That is, you, you, you're preaching to everyone, and I think everyone listening needs to know that. That no one's, no one's reading those posts that closely. I don't yeah. think. Uh, welcome to Fuck You Tarot Lady, episode seven. My guest today is Jaden Bath. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so. First things first, I, I've got you on the show because you are extracurricularly on top of your actual career. You're putting on something very special. Can you tell the listeners about what you've, what you've been doing? Yeah, so I'm the founder director of Lockhart Music Festival, which was a music festival that ran for the first time in November last year. Uh, and it's back again in just over, just under two months um, for 2019. Are you feeling the crunch? massively um it's gets to the pointy end of the year there's like kind of two crunches the first crunch is um when you're about to do the announce because you need to have all your ducks in a line for the announce so it's actually one of the most stressful crunches and between now and november there is a crunch but everything seems to be forced to happen whereas kind of for the lineup you've got all these people putting pressure on you and asking you when's this going to happen when's this going to happen whereas now it's kind of like it's busy but everything will happen yeah so when, when they're asking you like who's are you talking about the bands themselves 
Like they're asking you what's happening? Well, it's kind of like self-inflicted in the sense that you are asking people like media to help you out and then they're saying things like, yep, cool, I can do that. I just need, you know, a final copy of this and this and this. And I'm like, yep, that that will come. That will come soon. We're just working on a few other things. And so it's, it's not necessarily... Um, other people's deadlines it's just you always get caught up there's always a last minute thing that goes slightly wrong and then you've got to fix it and everything else kind of depends on everything else so it all ties back into one and as soon as one ducks out of line then it's throws yeah, it right i can i can imagine that would be a very stressful time like getting the poster especially for a, a festival where you've got like so many you've got days of bands to play and you've got to get all of that locked down you know, is there ever that, um, do you ever feel like doing the easy way out of doing like, you know, plus more to be announced at the bottom or something, you know, just to like... Yeah, so interesting that you say that because that's almost a marketing thing as well because totally. it is good to have further announces because it gives you further traction. And you can have more posts and you can, you know, it's, like it's good for your social. Exactly. The and then you weigh that against the ability to launch a really wholesome and powerful lineup and you, you know... Artists, media, um, different forms of sponsors, they might only want to post one thing once. Mm. So, if you have a to be more, more to be announced, then the first time they post something, the other artists might not be on there. Mm. So, it's a real weighing up. Um, in 2018, in particular, I was very conscious to make sure the lineup came out as a whole yep. because a brand new festival, I was so adamant that I wanted it to look like a really wholesome and full product as opposed to, oh, this is a brand new festival and they're just saying headliner to be confirmed because they don't have one yet. <laughs> Other festivals that say that most likely are just waiting for it. Yeah. But I was worried for a first year festival. You, that you were worried people were cynical and think that you hadn't pulled it together yet for ex you. Exactly. <laughs> and here, like this is probably another good example of me overthinking things. Maybe no one else cares about that or even thinks about oh, it. Oh, I think in the festival world, there are people that are probably watching stuff with a pretty keen eye, you know. I think uh, festival season now has become this beast, you know, like people will block out, like I certainly have, you know, blocked out many weekends over the summer now because it's like, well, this is this and this is that and this is this and this can't clash with this anymore. And, you know, like I think you're, you're right. Like I think it is important as much as you were saying earlier, you don't want to stress too much about having your ducks in a row. You kind of need to because if... You know, maybe if one of those pieces aren't in a line, people don't think of that as a viable option for their long weekend in the middle of November, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so, I guess getting into the nitty-gritty of it, I thought about leaving off some of our um, big to medium-sized artists this year. So, this year, we were headlined by Alpine and Didiri, but someone like Alice Ivy is worthy of a top line as well. Mm. And so, we actually thought about holding back someone like Alice Ivy and maybe Genesis Owusu because they're both extremely popular got a lot happening at the moment we're like or oh, maybe that could be a really good add-on later but then the, what it boiled down to was well what if someone who loves alpine but doesn't know anyone else on the lineup sees the initial poster and then says not, oh yeah not quite over the line whereas if you've definitely got them all out and i wanted to get posters hard copy printed up and around the coast straight away as well. Yeah. Um, and then if you have the more to be announced, you have to go back. Exactly. With <laughs> it's like just a logistical 
nightmare. You're also saving on printing, which is, you know, saving the planet, less paper, you know, like that's probably a good thing too. That's definitely a good thing. And just the time and cost and energy and effort of putting up posters. It's a, it's really nice putting up posters, but it's quite exhausting. So, um, last year it was very difficult because you walk into a cafe and you try and say, can I put this in your window? This year, everyone was a lot more responsive and all Oh, I've heard of this festival. Oh, I know Didiri. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know Alice Ivy. These little things that it's it's all, and you you end up stopping and having a ten to twenty minute conversation with either the cafe owner or the pub manager or people like that, um, which is great. Um, but I wouldn't have the ability to probably do that for a couple of rounds of posters. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Okay, that's good. That's really good. Um, we've, we've jumped straight into, um, you know, like this this whole thing. And I'd like to get a little bit more of an origin, if, if, if you wouldn't mind indulging me. Um, tell me, like, how Lockhart came about. How long has this been a brainchild of yours and how long did it take for you to kind of get it together? Yeah, so that's a question I often get asked. And it I think it boils down to at uni. So I was studying at Monash and we lived in a big share house. So there was five of us in a four bedroom house, but it was like this huge house in um, Glen Waverley. And we used to just have the best house parties. Um, Is this something you were responsible for or you were just a part of it? Or both. We had, (laughs) like I had housemates that were so much more responsible for it if you call it that in the sense that uh they would mass invite friends and i at the time i remember often being annoyed by it but then at the actual party just being you know (laughs) indulged and thinking this is just the best um and it's at your house you have to worry about you know you can just like go to bed when you want (laughs) (laughs) yeah you have to worry about it the next day um or when you know police arrive Does that, but, did that happen i uh, never like in a bad way just like a keep it down kind yeah. of thing and yeah. we were we were so fortunate to have the best neighbors um we tolerant neighbors you mean yeah well they were just also really lovely they would would bake them you know cookies or something the Is day that, before oh yeah good i was gonna say it's I was are they apology cookies afterwards or are they well sometimes we had cookies? to do apology cookies um but they were always oh yeah you don't do it that often so we don't mind um so it was that, and then it was coupled with uh, I was on a lot of student societies at uni, so organising events. Mm-hmm. Um, and towards the end of my degree, I was studying law commerce. I started to question whether I wanted to go down the commercial law path. It sounds a little bit like two paths, very divergent of each other, you know, like law commerce and party man, you know. Oh, like- I don't know if I was ever party man. Um, I just liked going to them, being at them, um, and then I liked organising them. So, it was really weird. I'm not coming at it with a club promoter kind of vibe. I'm coming at it with a... I'm quite good at spreadsheets and (laughs) organising bars and how many drinks we need and how many eskies that will require and let's get some cool AV happening and... Um, so this is all stuff you were thinking about in house party days, like cool AV and like how many drinks we gonna need for the p- amount of people invited, stuff like that. Definitely, oh. ratios of punch. You know, you want it strong enough, but you don't want to spend money. Things like that. Um, what's, the, what's the what's the give the listeners a bit of insight? What's the best way to make the best punch? Ginger ale. 
Ginger ale? Yeah, are you a ginger ale man in punch? Well, I mean, look, I've never had it in punch, but there's always uh, some Bundaberg in the fridge for, oh. for rum, you know, like rum and lime, fresh lime. Yeah, right. And that's always the go for me in my, in my house. A ginger ale adds fizz to the punch. Right. Yeah, people just go too hard on juice and goon, and then it's just this... But you get a bit of fizz in there as yeah. well. Yeah. It covers the... It masks it's the goon. It champagnes it up a bit. It makes it a bit more classy. Um... <laughs> What, what's your ginger ginger ale ginger beer of choice like what are you putting in there you know oh, a tall I, boy of the of the of the Bundaberg are we going cheaper stuff cheaper like, stuff like yeah. the ginger ale with the same brand as Passiona I don't know what that brand is mm, but you know yeah. that one with the white label plastic bottle 1.25 litre that thing not glass that, yeah that, no you're not you're not moving up to that that Bundaberg no way standard that's the good stuff you know yeah. <laughs> you don't, don't waste that on mixing in with a punch with goon and oh. juice and random shit and somehow we used to get oh, like a slab of Red Bull or something stupid and put that in the punch oh really yeah that wasn't for taste though that was for, for longevity energy. yeah mm, clever and, <laughs> I don't know if it was clever but I think that was the other housemate's idea well, I'm hoping there's some people listening right now that are taking notes on their next punch bowl being like add cheap ginger ale <laughs> Red Bull <laughs> yeah I can't say I've done that in a while but awesome. still recommend it yeah I might make a little thermos and bring it down with me to Lockhart you know? <laughs> please do <laughs> we'll have some like old times we'll get some at the bar <laughs> right okay cool so so you're doing this so how many years ago was this by the way like what, what, what 2015 16 right cool so it's fairly recently yeah sure yeah like I thought maybe this might have been like it's a four or five years ago yeah but still you know a lot of people say I'm gonna start a music festival I'm gonna do this yeah. thing and you know ten years go by and they still haven't done it yet you are a man of action you know like obviously you've yeah I don't know so then <laughs> you're looking at me with some modesty there well it was kind of I, I ended up so then the next steps, there's no other way to just tell it than other than mm-hmm. uh, in order. So yep. then I started looking into the idea of a career in events while still going down the legal path. Um, There'd have to be some good Venn diagram crossover of law and events, right? Like, um, is there no, no? I don't know. It's They're, they're helpful skills to have. Um, Knowing how to read I wasn't contract. looking that well into it maybe in the sense that i wasn't looking for jobs per se i was looking for those fun ambitious things mm-hmm. and then pretty quickly i just thought you know i would like to look at running an event mm-hmm. running a music festival seems like a fun event yeah um so you just jumped straight to music festival it wasn't like pretty much <laughs> you try something a bit smaller scale a bit yeah that's what you meant to do for sure <laughs> and i just started researching music festivals and um, how does one research music festivals like did you did you podcast with people that have put on other never <laughs> so how do you find out about this stuff like who's giving away their trade secrets online oh no one's giving away trade secrets it was more just looking at what other festivals do well and then uh, thinking about it and kind of critically analyzing you know okay this festival does this that's interesting my friends seem to like this this festival does this. My friends seem to like this. I like this. And mashing it all together and kind of spitting out the formula of Lockhart, which is everything I like in a festival and everyone I know likes in a festival. And then being originally from Colac, 
looking in that direction. Right. And I sort thought to myself that no one was doing it perfectly. There's a lot of amazing festivals um, in Victoria and Australia, and a lot of them do do it perfectly in their own way, but no one was doing it how I envisioned it. Um, amazing. So, I, I got offered a job as a lawyer. Um, <laughs> cool. And I asked the person that offered me the job whether I could defer it for a year and start it in a year because I want to try and start a music festival. And they said yes. So really? I finished uni in November 2016 and I had a job to commence work in March 2018. So it was 15 months roughly. And so from then it was like a timer started and it was go. Uh, and then at that point I realized I'm either running a music festival or I'm a just not you're, even working you're an idiot or for like deferring a year from your law career. Yeah, you? with no money to travel or anything like can, that. Can we go back for a sec? That's A, that's amazing that you're obviously one hell of a lawyer if they've said, you know, yeah, we can hold that for a year because wouldn't there be people like, you know, uh not one hell of a lawyer, I definitely don't think that. No. Um I think I was very, very fortunate. My place of work now has always been genuinely really supportive and they strongly encourage extracurricular activities. So they saw a value in the skill set that I would gain from trying to do that. And if I managed to do it, another skill set. And they, you know, they they do have a lot of people seeking employment. So they, they filled that year and I just got to look in for the preceding year. Great. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Let's go back. Let's wind the clock back a little bit. You, you were talking about, and I find this fascinating, taking the kind of best bits of festivals and, and kind of churning that out for Lockhart, right? Were there... Well, I mean, I guess the reason why I'm interviewing you right now is because I had such a great time at Lockhart last year, first ever Lockhart. Um, for the listeners, for you to know if I'm a, a aficionado, my friend Sam and I were the first two in the door or through the gates. Um, and we had a fantastic weekend and that's, I guess, why I'm here right now because I wanted to pick your brain about it and, and find out how exactly you did such a good job. And it just seems to be 15 months of research, essentially. 15 months only gets us to March 2018. You oh, came to right. Lockhart in November. Whoa, so this is... It was two years it ended up taking. So it's two years. Obviously, you knew it was going to take place over the summer, right? But was your cutoff point of those months because you needed at that point to have like the posters ready and things booked and uh, so I chose the I chose the date originally on um, when universities finish exams um, at that point in time Strawberry Fields is on um, and Lockhart's a completely different style of music festival it's it's not at all a doof. So I thought that there was a bit of a market that wasn't being catered for. Yeah. Um, so that's how it kind of got its dates. Um, but then retrospectively, it it it's just a really nice time of year. It's more cemented itself as the dates now, not for any other reason other than it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's the start of summer, um, people are getting excited and amped up for summer, it's enough before Meredith, which I think is just kind of the pinnacle of festivals in Australia. So, I, I would so. never want to compete with Meredith because I want to be there and go. Um, Very much so. You're not jumping on the New Year's Eve festival scene 
which would be extremely difficult um, and is obviously, you know, an amazing festival time, but a really flooded market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side of New Year's, uh, people kind of go back to work. People either go away that time of year. And I just thought to myself, I'm, it, it, it comes down to what me and my friends like to do. We tend not to go to festivals after New Year's until Golden Plains rolls around again. I couldn't agree more. And like yeah. my friends and my little circles that I festival with are in the exact same boat, you know. And, you know, Meredith is in some way the the gold standard of a festival. And it's what sucked in a lot of my friends into festival culture. And, you know, they'll never miss another one ever again now, you know, which is amazing. But what I guess Meredith lacks is that personality that is kind of lost when there's 20,000 people there. You know, like, I think... You know, I'm not bagging out of Meredith in any way, shape or form because it's fantastic and I've been going for years and will keep going. But when when you get to a certain point of that many people, like what is it, 20,000 people at Meredith, 10,000 at Golden th- Plains or something? I think it's 12 and 10. 12 and 10? I think. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Well, 20,000, 12,000. Once there's enough people <laughs> where you just can't see shit anymore, like for the, for the you know, rows of people, you just assume there's a lot of people there. But, you know, they have this whole no dickhead policy and... You know, even in the last couple of years, we've had like eskies stolen and like stuff broken into. And uh, one one time personal experience, which was awful for my girlfriend and I, that we were sleeping in the tent and like a wasted dude like fell on the tent, fell on us, like snapped all the poles. It was raining. Like it was a nightmare. I was like trying to push this dude through the, you know, like through the tent off crushing my girlfriend's head and then like just ran off into the night and I'm like dude that's not on like just apologize that you wasted you tripped on a guy rope like but these kind of things started happening and then you know it's a it's a breath of fresh air to come to Lockhart where like you're standing in line for the toilet and you start talking to someone and then later on you like see them again you're like hey what's going on and like that community is strengthened when there's like such a smaller number you know like when it feels more like we're all here it's happening and you know like it's I feel like when you get to Meredith and Golden Plains now, it does feel kind of closed off or, you know, groups go in their little groups and they stay in their camp groups, they stay at their couch and it doesn't feel as community focused as maybe it was a couple of years ago. Maybe I've changed, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's hard to measure um, having, you know, not an extensive Meredith Golden Plains career, but I think I tend to I understand what you're saying, but rather than saying... You know, they lose their intimacy because they're giant. I think they do relatively well for being giant and keeping some intimacy. For sure. Um, do you think other festivals, if they tried that, it would lose a lot of that personality and flavour with that many people? Yeah, there's there's so many elements that Meredith uh, do so well that keep the right people there. So, generally, the right people that you want at a festival are there. Um, as opposed to, you know, I wouldn't want to turn into a festival that had a target market of Instagram influencers that are just popping, you know, whatever, and just uploading crappy stuff on their crappy Instagram being fake and telling people that they're having an amazing time. I don't think places like Meredith ever allow themselves, like, lend themselves to that. I think maybe people still do that that's inevitable but i don't think you can yeah escape you, that a really good example is if you compare the amphitheater and how many phones you can see when the headline is playing yeah. at meredith 
versus at other festivals. Yeah, right. That's kind of a good measuring stick. If people who are living in the moment actually listening to the music as opposed to... And, you know, everyone wants to take a photo of their favourite act. Everyone wants to, like, record the best 10 seconds. But when people just stand there holding it for <laughs> hours and it's just like you haven't looked through not your screen yet. Yeah. Um, that's what I always find because the supernatural amphitheater is huge and amazing and you don't see that many phones. It's um, it's something that I didn't even think of until you said it just then because I'm, I'm a huge... I'm a hater when people get the phones out, of course. <laughs> like, And you're right. I don't think I ever have really been bothered by Meredith, which is... Yeah, like, even if it's 12,000 people there, I've never been like, oh, God, put the phones away. But then I've been at gigs like... Yes. At the corner or the forum and it's like... it's. It's frustrating because you can't even like see the band. and then I start doing that thing like you were just saying like the gears turn and you're like are you even watching like yeah. you're paying attention like and then that's just affected your inf- like your experience oh, and it's dude. not even your problem and, and I get it's... so mad because dudes are shooting like the worst footage too like they're shooting <laughs> portrait mode they've zoomed in so it's just pixels <sighs> and it's like just just get a nice portrait you know uh, sorry not a portrait like a landscape of like the whole band on the stage, take a photo, cool. Or, you know, if you do portrait, like get a nice photo of like the singer or something, but it's always terrible and it's always via Snapchat, which I'm like, can you save them afterwards? Like, is that even going anywhere into the, into your phone's memory or is that just fucking in the ether and then done? Like you've just wrecked my night for nothing. <laughs> right. we, um, we saw a gig at the Barwon Club once. It was uh, John Garcia, the singer from Caius, and it was him just doing like an acoustic set. And there was a guy filming... And he had his light on the phone, you know, like when it's like lit oh, up everything. No. And then we're like, are you right, mate? And he's like, yeah, I'm just Snapchatting my bro in Queensland. I'm like, are you, so this is for one fucking guy like, <laughs> who's not even going to give a shit. And you're like wrecking, like he's lit up like half the fucking crowd at the Barwon Club. It was a nightmare. But, you know, people are just stupid, you know. There's a, those small things. They're good measuring sticks, though. Yeah. Um, one of the f- really fortunate things, I never expected it. And we're fast forwarding back to being at Lockhart, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed. There's pretty much no reception near the stage, oh. but as you walk up the amphitheater and you're in the campground, there's reception again. It's the most perfect balance, and I'm like, I really don't want Telstra to put in another tower near the site, <laughs> but it's you're almost forced that when you walk down, you've got no reception. And then the walk back is not worth it, just a reception. You're not mm. going to go back. That is to... a steep hill, dude. Like <laughs> <laughs> It's a long hill. It's not that steep. It's just yeah, a massive, massive amphitheater. You need some endurance to, to get all the way back up there to, to the tent area. It's perfect. It's People great. come down and then don't want to leave. That's exactly right. We um we even set up last year, That was when it was really sunny on the second day, we had a gazebo that we set up like really close to the stage and we asked around, like, is that going to be cool if we do this? And then it was great because then everyone kind of came in and sat down <laughs> underneath and it was more of a community vibe. Like, there's, you know, there's the beauty of being a first year festival. Everything's going to be okay unless you're genuinely disrupting other people. <laughs> It was just kind we of. We found like, the people that were kind of like hiding in like the like the shade bits that food trucks were producing, you yeah. know, and they were like running to our bit, and we're like, yeah, we've I think we've done all right. Okay. And then like people were now watching the band, so it's like I think we've done good. Yeah, yeah no, that's perfect. <laughs> but it's it's those little things, you know, it's those little bits of flavor that just make that experience. Like we'll all know, and we had this, uh, our group had this shag rug that we had, and we had it underneath the um, gazebo at that time. But it was just around, and we're like, come sit on the shag rug. And it just became this thing, and like people sit down, and you get to like talk to randos, and it was just real, you know, these little special moments you get that, you know, I don't know, might be lost in more people or more, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying, but, you it's know. One thing that, that lost in more people 
it, I think it's really key to start small and mm. to start with those footings because inevitably the festival does have to grow in order for it to remain in existence. It's very financially difficult to run a small music festival. They call them boutique music festivals, it, right? Like that's kind of the yeah. word thrown around when it's like a... That's the classy word for it, for yeah. sure. Um, I think it adds a level of, you know, like, oh, it's a boutique festival, you know? It's not, it's not your, you know, like you're expecting it to be a bit more catered and a bit more personal and, yeah. you know, a bit more enjoyable in that sense, you know? Exactly. And if you can start off like that, then as you grow, then hopefully that culture will stay with you. Very much so. And I think Meredith's done a fantastic job. You know, they've been going for like, what, 25, 27 years or something. And it's like, there is still that sense there, you know. And you're always, at some point, dickheads are going to get through the cracks of thousands of people. But it's still, it's not expected. Like, you're not expected. It might happen to you and it sucks, but it's not like, oh, well, we're here. Of course that was going to happen. You know, you're still shocked to be like, how did someone steal my esky? You're like... (laughs) That's really unfortunate. Yeah. Sorry to hear your Oh, we ended up song. finding it later, I think. It was my buddy Matt Seski. Uh, I don't know the whole story, but as in like, you know, we just saw that it was like, I think we just saw a bunch of ice tipped out in our campsite. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, right. Someone's obviously just like tipped it and ran or something. I don't know. Maybe it was lighter. I don't know. I have to ask Matt about it. He made a funny thing. He made a little joke about how like, the hummus went bad because we didn't have an esky anymore. And then he wrote that as one of those letters that goes in the magazine for the next time. And then he, it was in the magazine and he was like really excited to roll up the next thing and be like, I wonder if they published my letter. And it was in, it was in there. He was stoked. Way to go, Matt. Um, he'll, he'll tell a, he can tell a better version of that story, but he was very proud of himself. But, um, you know, yeah, like it still doesn't change the fact that it's still a great time. It's just, you know, with more people, there's the... The statistic is there's going to eventually be some shit people. Yeah, you know? it's and inevitable. Exactly. So that's something you're obviously aware of as well. Um, is that how do you how do you prepare for something like that as a quick little sidebar before we get back to the main story? Like, you know, are you worried about like what happens if someone's there that's causing trouble? Like- um, short answer for right now, not overly because it is so intimate and because there is such a good vibe. If there was one standout troublemaker they really would stand out yeah and i don't think it'd be i think there'd be a social pressure for them to change their behavior (laughs) or absolute worst case result we've we've just got really good security they're just like we don't tolerate you know if you're causing someone else problems then security will come and like sit you down and like you know talk you through are you too drunk like how can we remedy this like we're not just going to pull someone out or call the police unless we have to but it's it's one of those things that i think it's going to be pretty dealt with within the festival fine amazing um you know but if you that's the thing that you can't control if you're in a giant amphitheater and a fight breaks out for example then that's that's a whole nother kettle of fish yeah And, and what that boils down to is that culture um and things that are intimately tied to the culture. So, programming, the booking, um, how you're greeted at the gate, how you're um, advertised to in lead up to the festival, mm-hmm. um, what your marketing looks like, all those things, they, they add to who's at your festival and their opinion of it. Very much so. All right. So, let's go back in time then. Um so run me through. So those fifteen months before March, did you say before? But so fifteen months before March. Yep. So you're, all of twenty seventeen. You're tasked in twenty seventeen to. You've got no job now, and 
you've 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 said you're gonna do it and now you kind of got to do it <laughs> was there ever any part of you was there like a cutoff point where you're like all right if i don't have things sorted by this day i can bail on it or were you just always committed to the idea that you would get it done uh short of that is i was, I was mostly always committed i probably didn't realize how difficult it was and retrospectively <laughs> there was a lot of telltale signs as to how difficult it was um what were those what were some of those telltale signs so many um to give you a brief history the first thing i did was i started to meet with who i considered to be industry experts or asking to meet so i was chatting to uh, owner of an audio engineering company and then i was chatting to um some staging people and then i eventually got on to simon daly who's the founder of falls music festival um he lives in Lawn, so it was close to Colac. I managed to have lunch with him. Um, and how did that conversation go? Did you email him, or did you like get his phone number and give him a call? It or? was a it was an introduction from someone else who I'd already spoken to. Lovely. Um, I like. I would never try. Very reluctantly would I ever cold call someone. Yeah, sure. Um, but. You know, it was essentially a cold call, but he was willing to give the time um, to have lunch with me, which was amazing. Um, chatting to him, he pretty much told me how hard it was. And as much as I listened and took his advice, I didn't <laughs> take that one crucial bit away. <laughs> you were still like, I could do it. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. But he was he was so, you know, he told me the realism of it all and how stressful and how heavy it was for him and his family now. Um, but... You know, he still does it and he's he's one of the best people in Australia at it. So, yeah, sure. I was fortunate enough just to pick his ear for that hour. Um, the next telltale tale sign was when I had a festival property quasi lined up and it dramatically fell through by essentially police intervention and council problems. Whoa. Um so that was in a completely different council than what I deal with now and a different police unit than I deal with now. So what happened specifically is in like, why why were the police involved? Um, well, so when you get permits for a music festival, you need to run the permits through the police and the police need to be okay with it and they have their say whether they want any changes. Um, and especially because I'm assuming they're going to be there in some sense exactly. over, and, the, over the weekend. So it makes like, perfect sense. Yeah. Um, you know, they're ultimately responsible for safety of people. Yeah. Um, but this was a really weird situation where with before discussing with us, they kind of went around to neighbours and told them about how this crazy music festival is going to come to their next door and they're going to have no control over it. And just all these really weird things that spooked all the neighbours, which once again is fair enough if you've got the police telling you that you've got this bad thing. And then we kind of just lost it before we had it. Whoa. Um, so it was a bit like, whoa, okay. Like, we get it. You're the, you know, you guys are the big dogs. But that was, you know, uh, they just maybe... It was, bit, it was a bit of a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly, but I can't speak for their previous experience. Like, presumably they've had some bad runnings like, with festivals. Like bad doof kind of vibes maybe. or something. Like... Yeah. Like, I don't know what was running through their head. I don't know what they thought the festival was, but yeah. I've just felt a bit unjustly done by not even being spoken to yeah. about it. And then finding out from a neighbor, um, calling me to say, why are you doing this without consulting me? And I was like, 
you are going to get full plans yeah. as to what it is. Like We were going to bake you cookies beforehand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how you woo them. I've learned this. Um, you know, in all retrospect, though, it may have been a blessing because we stumbled upon Great the, spot. the best site, <laughs> retrospectively. Um, it was... So, it picked up sticks and started looking again. When I say looking, I mean driving around farmland. Wow, Physically really? looking and knowing what kind of site I want to look at and being on Google Earth and zooming in and checking out the topography of land and trying to find a natural slope. Um, eventually found a place called Kangarooby who hosts weddings. So, he's a school camp. That's yeah, yeah. that's the property owner's nine-to-five job, if you will, as well as being a farmer, as well as running a lighthouse. It's a long story. <laughs> you should have him on your podcast. Um, and I emailed this this guy, this lengthy email about, you know, how I want to run a music festival and I'm looking for all these things and way over explaining everything. And his response was, sounds good, come out 10 a.m. tomorrow or something like that. Awesome. And I was like, whoa, okay. Get in my car, um, go down there. He's, he said something about call me when you're at Kangarooby, which is the kids' camp, and his, his house is, you know, further down the road. Uh-huh. So, called him and he came up in his ute. And then he's like, yeah, jump in. And I was like, cool. And then I was like explaining to him what kind of land I'm looking for. And he's just driving. He's driving at like 50, 60 kilometers an hour in a paddock. And I'm like, kind of telling him to slow down. I'm like, I'm looking around. For safety? Or no, because I'm looking he- for like, he's got such a massive property. I'm trying to work out where the best place. Yeah. And to- he's just zooming through it. Yeah. And he's zooming through it. And I'm like, what are we doing? I don't know where we're going. This is weird. Um, I'm looking for all these things. And then he just stopped at the top of what is now the amphitheater and he just pointed, he's like, you'd put the stage down there. Oh, so he was taking you there like he knew. He knew where it should be. Right. He's like, I'm not going to let this chump waste my morning. Like, I'm going <laughs> to show him the best spot. That is actually the best description of him. He's just like the most efficient person. He just do this. And yeah. it's like, and then he just does things. He's, Great. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, so, he literally just did that and I kind of looked around and I was like, yep, that is where you'd put the stage and that's where the stage went by the way like yeah. right where he said it would um on that day and he's he he said you know you'd put your camping here you'd put your cars here and i was just yep you would and i drew my plans based on that um <laughs> so it was an easy win there yeah well he'd thought about it before i came out there mm. um and he's just the kind of guy that is super practical um, gets things and just does things. And so, he was open to the idea and, you know, it was kind of this one-year relationship of, okay, you're going to run a festival here. Here's all the things I expect, which were very basic but important, which was, you know, safety's priority. We can't have anything go wrong here. I want you to, you know, do all the right things. No glass. Um, it's a working farm. I don't want any glass coming through the gates. You need to police that. Mm-hmm. Um and just, you know, make sure you do it right in year one because otherwise you won't be doing it again. Yeah. Um, and the best part about kind of the end of that little story was he was down the front wearing his party shirt. Like he said after the festival that Wax and Press Club were his favourite two bands. And I was like, <laughs> I was like you have good taste. So like, 
That's fantastic. And that brings us to a fantastic segue to the band. So, like, do you have... Um, uh, how, how big is your like, team of people? Because at this point now, people are probably thinking, did you do all this yourself? But there must be help, right? Like, do you have people helping with booking bands? Or, like, tell us about the band side of things. Like, that must have been... At what point are you thinking about that stuff? Because, you, you know, you'd have to probably start getting onto it soon. But if you don't have a spot yet, you don't have this, like... Are you worrying about asking bands yet? About like, we've got this festival and can you play? Massively. I had no idea how to ask bands. As I said before, I'm not... I haven't been in the music industry. I... I, You could wow them with some law commerce knowledge though. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But that gets you nowhere practically. Um, I was chatting to some people. um, So, I was fortunate enough to meet Rich Moffat who was booking falls for 20 years and he now books group in the moo um so he gave me a couple of insights and he cc'd me in with some agents and kind of just said you know don't dick this guy around he seems really nice like oh that's so don't cool eyeball him. yeah but that was a couple of agents so there's heaps of agents out there um and also i've i've got to try and condense two years of my life so we've missed a lot but <laughs> um i met a guy named reese Britnell, and he pretty much came on board as organizing everything with me um but the main thing he did last year was book the bands oh cool so he has booked bands previously um and so had some nice contacts had already emailed people they kind of knew when he emailed that they were going to to actually play at a festival as opposed to, hey, there's this brand new festival and you don't know me and I promise you that it will happen. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a hard sell. Yeah, as opposed <laughs> to if you have someone who you've dealt with previously telling you that, then you're more inclined to be like, okay, well, these are our bands. Um, but he did... So, between us, he probably did 60 to 70% of the bookings and I kind of did 20 to 30%, 30 to 40%. Um but we spoke about pretty much every act. So every act was essentially a co-booking. Cool. Um, and there's so many times we had conflict over which bands. Um, but it's also really good because you have diversity of lineup that way. For sure. Because, um, yeah, one of the things he said to me when I said, oh, these are all the bands I'm thinking of. He's just, that is the softest lineup I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and... So it's good though because otherwise I would go and book a soft lineup and you wouldn't cater. So it's you've got to have that nice balance. Um, so when we're talking like like adding adding some hardness, would that be bands like Orb or I, I think it's ORB? Or- like we call them ORB. I think I don't know. Orb. I always say Orb. Yeah, I, I think know, it goes by Orb. <laughs> no, is it not Orb? Look, there's been debate. I'm pretty sure that I've read in like a Forte thing once that it says pronounced A. R-B-O-R-B, like as in like, they'd spelt it with words. And I was like, what? I thought it was just orb. So, I don't know. Well, there you go. But I'm going to call them orb. We'll just call them orb. Sorry, orb, if you're listening, because it just rolls off the tongue way easier. So, was that kind of one of the bands? That's exactly the band. Get some some heavy shit in there. Yeah. And that was, dude, that was one of my biggest draw cards. I was like, orb, O-R-B, a sick. Like, and it was great to to see them play there. And And, um, and Reese kind of had to woo me into it because... At that point in time, I was like, I don't really know Orb. I don't listen to them. And then, you know, kind of maybe a month after meeting Reese and chatting about it and listening to any band he was putting up. And by the time we booked him, I was like, 
oh man, why didn't we book these ages ago? What yeah. were we sitting on our hands for? And he's like, I've literally been pushing these at you for ages and and now I'm all around it. Now I kind of get it. He's diversified my music taste as well. That's great. Um, which is great. And it kind of led to, you know, Baked Beans this year. Um, yes. So another flightless band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, stays with that wheelhouse, brings a certain type of person yeah. to the festival because of that kind of scene, that kind of sound, which is great. And exactly. Then they get a bit of a softer side from some of the other stuff playing, you know? Yeah. And it's all about, we book on programming. So we have a spreadsheet with days and I love how many times. times you've said spreadsheet in this podcast, by the way. It gets me so excited. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> saw. So again, my buddy Matt, um, he was the first... Uh, episode of this podcast my best mate and he he builds a spreadsheet pre-meredith based on the lineup of where the bands are probably going to fall like because he figures out like oh this is like a band that's probably going to be like that's like your rap that's going to be like you know four o'clock on a saturday arvo and yeah. you know he'll figure out he'll do that kind of thing so it's so funny that you're actually making the spreadsheet based on your lineup to be like where should these bands be oh, like yeah so we book spots so when we you know we don't just have necessarily a dream list and go out and book the best 20 bands you have a list of what you specifically need in that spot exactly and we think you know 9 p.m on saturday what kind of band do you want to play Mm -hmm. and then we have you know three or four bands lined up that would fit that slot obviously people can move so if you you know our saturday afternoon was like able to be shuffled um and friday saturday nights could switch things like that but We've kept it pretty similar this year, so we haven't announced the programming or anything. But there's certain. Oh, but there's some people with some spreadsheets out there, like Matt, <laughs> Matt. that can they can start maybe you know figuring. Especially out if you looked last year, you'd work out you know Senegambian jazz band is pretty similar to Madramonte in the sense that they're the perfect sunset band. Like, yeah, they're going to play just before sunset because they get you on your feet if you want dinner at that point in time. It's kind of like you can dance and eat because. Presumably, you can't sing the words. Um, <laughs> there's just awesome, little yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, even the Ivan Ooze spot last year, which was... Oh, yeah. My yeah. Uh, my friends that were there with me, they were way into it. At that point, I was, I'd was i cooked it and I was like, I'm going to bed. And I was walking up that very long hill yeah. as uh, he st- he covered like Limp Biscuit or something. And I was like, oh, I wish I was down there for this. I feel like a fucking idiot now. Yeah. But... But, uh, yeah, it was a great spot. It got everyone moving. People were dancing. Like, it was, it was, it was just it was... kind of a bit weird for what the rest of the festival was, but we were so happy with it. We just thought it worked Nailed so it. well. Yeah, no. Um, everyone seemed to be having a fantastic time. Exactly. So, <laughs> we plan on that happening again this year. Cool. Um, it's not quite as hard as Uzi, but... Genesis Owusu will be playing that spot this year. Oh, is this an exclusive for the, for the podcast right now? <laughs> I guess so. Fuck yes, yeah, sick. <laughs> and he is just—he's ridiculous. Awesome. He just has such a vibe, like a live music vibe that brings energy. That's a fantastic question. You've segued into. That I was going to ask. Like, do you check these bands out before um, you? S- book them for the festival, like to try and see them live or is it just based on their Spotify or like Triple J on Earth or something or like what's the what's the plan there? It's very rare that one of us hasn't seen them live mm-hmm. and if we haven't, we vet people that we trust that have. So then, so now getting like deeper into the team, this year specifically, we've got Zach Abrams helping us out with 
publicity and marketing. Um, and he is an artist manager, been in the industry for 15 years or something. So we can always trust him to ask, you know, what's this band like? What are they, you know, because numbers can be conflated or not indicative of live performance. Yeah. Um, and the other person we always ask is our AV guy because um, he's just mixed so many huge bands and he knows people who are good and people who aren't good and he just he has such an ear and so you know whenever we're unsure but we know that they've supported a big band we'll ask him and he will say hey they were better than the main band you should book them or no one showed or even things like if no one showed but they were awesome that's also important but otherwise it's yeah don't bother. So this, uh, you might be talking about, f- you know, friends of mine slash friends of the show. So last year on the production team, we had uh, Pat Scadden was there doing lights. Yep. So Pat and I went to primary school and high school together. There you go. <laughs> Potentially a future guest on the show, Pat, if you're listening, uh, coming for you. <laughs> um, and also Mick Summerton was there as well. Yeah. Um, he's a another uh, good friend of ours and used to play in uh, bands with friends of mine and things like that. And who else was there? It was... Uh, Trav there as well? That's who I'm talking about. Yeah, there you he, go. He always so, gets hit up, like, what are these guys like? Yeah, <laughs> and that was a cool little trio, by the way, when I rolled into Lockhart, and I'm like, I oh, know all of the production team. Like, you you should know, know Reese then. That's yeah. that's, how, that's how they got on board. That was another uh, Reese okay. connection. Reese. Maybe I'll get him on the podcast. We can become fast friends or something. That'd yeah, be good. go out to but, Princeton. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so that's really cool. That was a really exciting part. And then what was extra exciting, during that orb set last year, because I'm friendly with Pat. I was like, can I have a go on the lighting desk? Because that's always been a dream of mine. And he's like, yeah, man. And then he like let like obviously controls like a dog on a leash. But I was doing the lighting that that during that set, by See, the way. See, you can't do that at big festivals, can you? No way. And that was the most special thing ever. I was like, yes, like can you make it this color? He's like, yeah. And he's like twisting wheels and doing stuff. I'm like, what does this button do? And I was like, it was amazing. Like, really, it's like... um. I'm talking about this like I rode a Harley. I was really on like a bike with training wheels, but with this person pushing me by. But it was a fantastic experience and it was great. And I'm so glad that Pat was the guy doing last. Because I can't just walk into a tent dressed like I'm in Red Dead Redemption asking to use the lighting. But Lockhart, you can, baby. Maybe not this year. Maybe it's maybe it's getting too big and I'll be, you know, guarding oh, it. I don't think any AV person listening is encouraging people to... <laughs> Hey, only, have you done red lights yet? Like, what are you... <laughs> only if you went to school with them and, uh, you know, good friends with them will they let you do that, I think. Um, but it was an experience that, man, I'll never forget, man. That was amazing. So you've got a great little team there as well that you can obviously trust on the day and during the fest. Is there anyone else where we're not rounding out that are, that's kind of crucial to the Lockhart family that we, mm. should, that we should touch on if they'd be pissed if they were listening to this and didn't mention them? <laughs> You gave the perfect segue. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend, who, yeah, put up with a lot of shit leading up to that and still does. Um, so she was doing everything at the festival. She was in the car with me driving around looking for farmland, proofreading plans and submissions to council, things like that. Um, and then on the day... Yeah, probably slept two or three hours for the weekend because she was just doing stuff. Amazing. Um, and now, was this... Obviously, she has an, uh, an interest and an excitement in this as well. This wasn't just you forcing her to 
Tag along. <laughs> <laughs> I need moral support. Plus, you know, she's obviously got a good brain for this, I assume, as well, right? Like, Oh, uh, yeah. She's she's a very different person to me in the sense that she is super organised. So she but Wait, you're not organised, uh, Mr. Spreadsheet? I'm organised when I have to be, but she preempts things and drafts things that, you know, she post last year started writing out kind of a list of everything we did and I, I would never write a list yeah i don't write lists oh yeah so you're a spreadsheet guy but not a list guy yeah it's interesting different i don't it's... know i'm a list guy and a spreadsheet guy so yeah it's like, no I, I would never write a to-do list oh which is what you probably should do so then you know what you have to do but i didn't do that so i think one of the best things was um we have this huge campsite on the property um and that's where we house all the artists security medical production um and you know we had all these people rocking up to stay there for the weekend and i'd just been so worried about the punter experience and what's happening at the festival you weren't worried about keeping the artists happy no which is like it, we are worried about that and it's super important but i hadn't given time to setting up anything right. and so the night before she was you know, going frantic with getting all the riders sorted and telling everyone, like, giving them a bed list. You, you're sleeping in this bed. Yeah, right, You know, course. this band needs to sleep. You know, it makes sense for these bands to share a room and it makes sense for these people to sleep over here and the, you know, medical and security people to sleep away so they can actually get sleep. Um, things like that that are super important that require lists... That need to be <laughs> quite literally printed out and plastered on doors. Yeah. Um, that was a last minute thing that I'm very fortunate got done. So, what was your partner's name? Tess. Thanks, Tess. That's that's fantastic. Because you're right. Like, it's one of those things that, you know, you're so wrapped up in other stuff, you might not be able to see the forest or the trees. That's probably why, you know, it sounds like you guys are a good team there. Yeah. I'm very, very fortunate. Fantastic. That's great, man. Um, so that's pretty much the core, the core team for that first year has, and you've grown, you mentioned a couple other people there that have kind of jumped on the, the marketing dude. What was his name? Sorry. Zach. So Zach's jumped on. Did he jump on last year or was that for this year? Uh, this year. That's awesome. So, so you've, you've grown in people now. Yeah, slightly. So it's very much just, <laughs> it, it's one of those things cause it's really difficult to define where the team starts and stops. Yeah. Um, you know, no one's really getting paid. If, yeah. if I didn't say that bit. So, the the production guys got paid. They're contractors. Um, no, obviously, but like um, any creative endeavor in its first year, you know, like that's just... I think I think it would be implied that most people would know that, uh, that so, was probably going to be the case, right? So, so, in that case, there's like a few people from last year that I've definitely skipped out on. So, we had uh, a girl called Bridget who I'd met like three or four times. I just put a call out for serious volunteers industry volunteers if you will mm -hmm. and she came down and just helped out the whole weekend same with a girl named tara who i'd met the two weeks before at another festival and it went beyond volunteering they were helping for was one of those one that was pretty um pretty front and center at kennedy's creek like the weeks before because there was someone there that i recognized from being at kennedy's creek and they were there pretty early at lockhart last year well, it wasn't one of those. Maybe that was just another fan like me getting there super early. Yeah. Maybe. I think it was just that. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're around. Yeah. <laughs> really keen beans on the on the festival front. But yeah, and that's cool. Anyway, so you had, she had a couple of volunteers. Sorry, I derailed you. Yeah, but they were... Yeah, I wouldn't call them... They, they volunteered their time, but it was a full weekend. Um, and so this year, they're back on board as well. So Great. Bridget's helping out again. Uh, we've got another girl named Desiree who's also in a similar field as Bridget in the sense that she's in the industry and, you know, just wanting to get involved. And so those two are going to run the camp this year because they're so Bridget uh, Desiree's a artist um, agent now or an assistant agent. So it's perfect experience for her to go and meet all the managers as they stroll in and chat yeah. to the bands. And she's just like such a, they're both just such good front people. They, they know everyone. They're really personable, easy to chat to organized. Oh, and super important when you've got like bands rolling in yeah. You know, like they don't know where they're going and they're just tired and they've got off a plane or something and they've had to drive for yonks out into the middle of nowhere and just have that friendly face to be like, hey, how's it going? Yep. Here's your thing. Like, And they're just so trustworthy. Like I can just know that the camp's going to be well looked after and not have to think about it. Yeah. Um, and then there's oh, there's so many people. Because I had a girl named Courtney and her boyfriend Ryan out doing everything. They were... Um, People I met through, once again, this call out for volunteers, my dad and uh, another guy named Josh Rigg, who's just an emerging artist, friends with Reese, were driving the bus to and from all weekend to get the artist to and from stage. Um, I have my uncles out cleaning the toilets, things like that, that <laughs> someone has to do. Um, oh, you poor uncles. Like, Well, you can only ask that of, you know, people that aren't going to care they're both just farmer guys and they joke both they're just they're just such brutal kind of men for lack of a better word they're just they just didn't give a shit what they did for the weekend and they they i paid them a slab of beer each and it was just awesome yeah so fortunate (laughs) um my mum was gonna do the tours again this year as well don't know (laughs) make it two slabs maybe yeah maybe my mum was doing the same thing. Mum was out there cleaning the toilets, wow. restocking so, things with toilet paper. Obviously, that means that you're you've got supportive parents, and you know, like, what, did did they freak at any point when you were like, "Hey, so I finished school, I've got the job, but I'm pushing it off for two years so I can plan a music festival." Like, what were their thoughts when you said that? Like, were they just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Uh, amazingly, my parents have like never said that or thought they might have <laughs> they thought, might have that. thought it. <laughs> But they trust me, which is silly. Um, they've always been people that they're not overly engaged, but they're always supportive. So they're always just, you know, Amazing. oh, you're going to do that? Okay. And so dad organized the bus. I just said, oh, do you have any contacts that would have a bus? He's like, oh, I can find a bus for you. And we borrowed it from a charity and it was, we, we gave money and filled it pretty much. Cool. Um, so small things like that that help out heaps. And he's a farming fencing contractor. So he brought down all this removable fencing and helped us put it all up and then took it back down and then used it for his next job. So we didn't have to pay for any infrastructure wow. or labor. Yeah. Um, things like that. They've just, they're pretty relaxed. <laughs> and it's, it's cool that you're bringing up all this stuff because, you know, I've got written here, like, you know, uh, ask you about all those kind of pieces of the puzzle and you're laying it out quite... It actually sounds really simple. Like, oh, you know, like, I know it's not, <laughs> but 
fucking hell, man. Like, you've covered a lot of stuff and you had a lot of people, like, backing you up and they're all little things that you wouldn't even think of, like temporary fencing and, and, and shuttling the bands to and from. Like, that's stuff that, you know, I think maybe a lot of people wouldn't even have thought of until the day and they'd be like, oh, shit. Like, that said, segue, was there anything that you hadn't thought of until the day that you were like, how the fuck did I forget X? Like, was there anything that, you know, just stands out as, like, next year, don't forget this one thing? Almost. Ooh. We didn't forget it. We never, ever for- <laughs> For the record. No, well, we never forgot it. Yeah. It was just this problem that we couldn't solve for months. Um, and you're going to laugh when I say it. It's, it's water. Right. So, getting drinking water in the middle of a paddock is pretty tricky. Um, and, you know, it's got to be at a standard. It has to be accessible. So, it can't just be a truck unless you have it reduced down into a tap that you can twist yeah right a truck couldn't get down to the amphitheater and back up probably yeah um the some like tank tank wheels or something exactly so (laughs) we were dealing with this problem right up until the day before for the life of me i can't even remember i think wasn't it just like a big water tank with a tap like on a stand was that the go purchased a bloody water tank it was Whoa. the most ineffective. And and someone came and filled it up. Like, didn't someone... And the far- See, that was the thing. We couldn't buy one too big because then we'd never be able to move it. So, we had to buy a 700-litre drum, put it on a pallet, and then... so That's we- right. It was stacked on pallets. And it, you had, like, a tarp over it as well. Yeah, to just like- try and keep the sun off it a yeah, little bit because yeah, yeah. otherwise it was going to get hot. Clever, clever. Um, and the farmer came down with his tractor Saturday morning took it away, filled it up, brought it back down. I think he did it once more Saturday afternoon and we just had to monitor it. It was nerve-wracking. You got pretty lucky because I think, if I remember correctly, it only really started to get super hot on like the last day when everyone was packing up and I think there would have been some people mad dashing forward then. But at that point, you're already pretty much ready to go, you know? (laughs) And I think a lot of festival goers are prepared with water, right? Like, not that you couldn't provide it, but as in like most people would bring their own water, wouldn't they? Uh, they? I tend to take one of those 10-litre... Um, containers. Your typical, you know, like you poke a knife in the top to get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so we were always going to provide it. We never forgot it. It was just this thing of surely you can rent these things. Surely someone's got one spare, something like that. And the short answer was no. Right. Um, so, you now, where did you store that 700 litre water drum? Just at that guy's farm. Oh, it just stays there now? Yeah. Sweet. Might as well. I've got no use for a 700 <laughs> You don't want to like, lug it into your house? I'm in a share house in inner city Melbourne. It's like the most <laughs> useful item, useless item I own. Come the apocalypse, though. That'd be pretty handy, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> Put on the roof or something. Phew. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, shit, man. We've, we've smashed through this. And even inadvertently, we've kind of talked about some of the stuff I've written down that I wanted to talk to you about. So... Before we um, well, we've been running for almost an hour, so that's fantastic. Let's let's run through for this year. So November fifteen to seventeen, is that right? Yeah. Um, run us through the lineup and maybe give us your, you know, um, like if this if at this point, listeners, if you're listening to this and you haven't bought a ticket yet, we're gonna sell you now on the lineup. So have you got it we're handy? Selling can it we on the lineup? Can we can we go down from the top? Can you give us your little maybe a little uh, promo PR? sound bites for each band like what uh what yeah i can try or- that's one of the things i struggle with when i'm drafting my facebook statuses i spoke about earlier <laughs> um <laughs> like thinking for th- oh, like thesaurus words for like 
wall of sound, this noise. Oh, just you don't want everything to sound the same. Like everyone has their. Let's just run through it. All right, let's go. Uh, So I've got it on my phone actually. If that'll make it easier for you. All good. It's all good. So Alpine, uh, our headliners. So they were. I don't want to use the word throwback, but they're just iconic to me in my head of thinking about you know five years ago when i was really in depths of parties and you know they've just got such huge hits it's great party music yeah every one of their songs is just it's mammoth um and rightfully so they've just got huge stats huge hits and they're just awesome and they're Uh, they're kind of back right like they were kind of gone for a little while yep so they've they've got a new single now right is that correct so they released dumb um earlier this year and so it's high rotate high rotation on triple j they're recording and stuff together um hopefully there's more to come out of it i've heard rumors of an album um fingers crossed we've just got them before album yeah fantastic that's great um didiri so he's the local legend of this lineup so he's from warnable um, and we booked him because I saw him at uh, Lost Lands Music Festival, and I'd, I'd heard Didiri heaps and love his Spotify, um, but I always assumed that maybe he wasn't that good live, just because he's a single yeah. male you, you vocalist. Def- you would think that when you're thinking like a headlining act of a, of a festival, you're like, is he going to be able to carry it? You know, like, is it a... And then I was just genuinely blown away. I was, right. He's so powerful um, and you just don't expect it because he's so unimposing. But then his vocals and his live performance, he's just epic. Um, so we approached him and, you know, he was keen to support a local festival it ties in with his brand and his image and it was just a done deal pretty much um especially with his oh nothing's ever easy but (laughs) it all gets there for sure all right who's next uh alice ivy as i said before she could also be pretty much on that top line um so she is an epic booking for us very fortunate to have our manager on board um, she's just someone we've always loved and she's someone that's always been on the XL sheet, but we managed to get her this year. Yeah, and it's good. It's like that, you know, she, she's a producer, right? More than a, yeah. you know, like there's like, you know, good beats, party time, like. Yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah. She's so much fun. Very exciting. All right, who's next? Baked Beans. They're yep. our flightless. We mentioned them before. So once again, Reese's influence, but they're so awesome. Because like, he was telling you to heavy it up a little bit. Oh, and <laughs> I'm so around them now. I'm so glad once again that that's, that's why you've got to have diversity of opinion. Yeah. Um, they're just a sick band. They're also relatively local. We've booked a relatively local yeah. lineup. So no, you've done well, man. Alice Ivy's from Geelong. Beans are from Ocean Grove, um, which moves us into our next on the lineup, which is Chukamalak. Um, they DJed last year, as they you'd did. be aware. I also went to high school with Chuck. What's up, man? There you go. <laughs> They're local Geelong boys. Yeah. Um, they were just really cool last year. So we we weren't necessarily going to book. Well, you'll note from the rest of the lineup, we haven't booked anyone else again. Um, but they're just, you know. They just had to come back. They just brought an energy. Yeah, for sure. Um, then we've got Cousin Tony's brand new Firebird. Oh, now, the I love these guys. Amy Rose Fraser, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, told me about them about a year ago, and I was like, that's a great name. And I've seen it on festival posters, but I'm not going to listen to it. And then since they've had that new album out, 
Fucking hell. That album is great. I love it. So I've I'm very excited. Smashed to that people. album so many times. It'd yeah. be my highest played album for the last year. Do you get that thing on Spotify at the end of the year where you see your top songs? And Oh, it's just going to feature that and album. Do you think about... I think about that a lot when I'm listening to albums now. I'm like, this is going to... That one song at the start of that album is going to be at the top and I shouldn't keep listening to it because it's going to pop up and then I can't help myself. And a couple of those... Like Hot Pink yeah. and Best Face to London are like, they're going to be in my top songs of the year for sure because they're amazing. And deservingly so. Yeah, emotional and par- it's totally that party festival sound you want to have. And, you know. Uh- I don't know how they're not more famous. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because <laughs> yeah. they're famous, but I don't know how they're not Gang of Youths famous. Oh, that's so funny. When I put them on, my friend Kate said, well, this sounds a bit like Gang of Youths. And I was like, I never drew that connection in my and brain. And the National. Yeah, and I also think there's a bit of like Total Giovanni kind of vibe in there as well. They're like, just they're a good blender of a, a lot of bands that are much more, you know, big. They'll get there. Oh, you know, I just have no. You won't doubt. be able to get them for Lockhart next year. <laughs> Literally, that's. <laughs> what... They'll be like, sorry, mate, we're too expensive now. Oh, and so they should be. They're 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 just got to be on the trajectory. Yeah. Because they're kicking absolute goals. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, very excited. Speaking of kicking absolute goals, Cry Club were one of our first bookings this year oh really um just because we became aware of this emerging duo that were just kind of going berserk with statistics um we were unsure once again whether we whether they'd be the right fit whether they were good live and then zach came um it was when zach was coming on board and he said oh i've got to tell you about this band cry club Mm. um don't tell anyone but we've actually just booked them for Alice Ivy's tour because they're just the best, like they're the Whoa. best live band. And then straight away, it You're just like, affirmed we everything we're thinking. <laughs> yeah, can we get it? Can we get them now as well? <laughs> yes. So we got them straight away before they announced with Alice Ivy. Yeah, and they've done some kind of diverse stuff as well. Like they opened up for the Midnight at the Corner um, for the Splendor side shows, I think it was. And it was like, oh, that's a kind of weird combo, but you know, worked. You know. Yeah, they work. Yeah, they're, they're so interesting. Fantastic. Um, Ed Fisher. So, PBS Radio, uh, so he's DJing on our Saturday night, uh, a Reese booking. I can't say I've ever seen him live, but, you know, if he's got What a kind PBS of stuff spot, is he going to be spinning? Do you know, do you have any idea? Like party tunes? I assume a bit of everything. Yeah, cool. He, it's, he's got a deep Saturday night spot, so <laughs> he's the master of this. We'll leave it to him. <laughs> That's great. A little bit of mystery too, you know. We don't want to give away too much when you're talking about performers. Exactly. I like it. What, okay, what else have we got? Uh, so Forever Sun. He's... Oh, Jack Robin. He's a good friend of mine, actually. I tried to get him on the show this week, but we'll get him on, we'll get him on after this so we can talk about this. Yeah, he's great. Fantastic singer, songwriter, really kind of wholesome and lovely and he's got a nice way with the audience it's very funny and wholesome and i don't know i said wholesome twice but he's just a, he's a <laughs> he, lovely man wholesome he is. and i think that his loveliness really um translates across in the music too we did an interview with Dadiri this week which will be released tomorrow or the next day um mm-hmm. and one of the questions was who are you most looking forward to seeing at lockhart and Dadiri answered with forever son yay and i was like yeah that that suits. I was, I was like, that's a nice little match. Mm. Um, Let's hope they have some little, you know, some D&M time in the back at camp, you know, oh. hang out, talk well, shop. They're both from Great Ocean Road area. So yeah. Presumably they know each other. Let's hope so. They've yeah. played some shows together or something. Yeah, I think, think I think Jack's open for Didiri. Great. Um, Francesca Gonzalez. So she's the 
Kita player of Cousin Tony's Brand New Firebird. Oh, cool. So, so this is her solo project. Uh, we've seen her a couple of times like in small shows around Melbourne and she's just funky. She's just really cool. Um, I think that's the best way to describe her. Yeah. She really owns the stage solo. And Yeah, so it's, she's it's just her up there with a guitar. Well, when I've seen her, I'm not... She'll probably have a band as well. Cool. She will have a band, sorry. She definitely She's has a band. Confirmed. Um, band. But she does play solo as well. Cool. Um, but yeah. So then... Genesis Owusu. He is just electrifying, as I alluded to before. <laughs> um, as you dropped primo on this podcast, what what slot they're going to be playing. And there's there's a reason they're playing that slot that I won't drop. But it will make sense when you're there, I think. There's no, like, secret to that. It sounds like it's a secret. But if you've ever seen him live, you'd understand why it needs to be at the end of everything else. Because how would you... You just How do you top that? You couldn't follow him. Um, It's not necessarily topping. It's just such a... It's like watching a movie. It's You just... Okay, I'm done now. Wow, that's so exciting. Yeah, so he's going to be really, really exciting. Um, The Grogan's... These guys are Melbourne surfy rock. They're super duper cool. They've got some huge hits and, you know, they're also on very much on the path of fame. Like yeah. They're, they're definitely one of those bands that you can just see now and they're selling out shows, but they're just going to continue to do that and they're going to sell bigger and bigger shows, um, which is super exciting to get them nice and early yeah i guess that's the part of every festival right is to try and get those up and coming bands and like draw in a crowd and then have people go oh these guys are great like because i think that's a lot of how like the fame is pushed for those bands when they're seen live and they've got a shtick or they've got a look or this and you're like whoa like exactly you know a lot of times if you're like scrolling through unearthed or or spotify whatever playlist people make of that kind of stuff you're like oh, i don't know but if you see it you know you experience it i think it changes things drastically yeah couldn't agree more and that's it's important from a booking point of view to book those emerging acts as well because it helps bring new audiences to them completely so you know there'll be grogan fans at lockhart but it's a festival with 22 acts a majority are going to be grogan fans but hopefully they leave Seeing them and then searching them on Spotify. I actually went to an interesting talk with Eventbrite, um, which sounds very, very commercial. I guess it is. But they said that they've done some stats on your 70% chance to search someone on Spotify that you've seen live. Wow, really? if you want to increase the amount of artists you listen to, you literally just need to increase the amount of artists you're seeing live. Wow. Um which is so fascinating. Obviously, that happens to the extent that you often go to the places where you know that you're going to like the music. So, it's not like you can just walk down Brunswick Street now and go see a bunch <laughs> of bands and you'll love them all. But Yeah, yeah, right. Like, within controlled but, environment, that's a, exactly. it's a pretty interesting statistic, though. Yeah, and it's very much for festivals. So, yeah. you know, if I do it all the time, if I see a band at a festival and I'm... Um, whoa, those guys were good. And then I'm obsessed with their Spotify for the next three months. Mm. And it's something that I've noticed as well. Like you guys have done really good job where you've made the Lockhart playlist and it's been available since the lineup, a couple of songs of each little sampler, if you will. And that comes on for me. I just put it on random when I'm like cleaning the house and everyone's like, what's this? This is a bit cool. And then, you know, and then that gets you excited. But I often find that I'll go back to the playlist 
after the yes. festival and be like, I really like those guys. But it may not kind of click when you're just like cleaning the house or driving up to this podcast or something. And, you, you know, it might not click in them, but it definitely clicks in once you've seen it. And I'm very much that I, that way. Yeah, and we're getting a bit tangential now, but I love when you see a song. The best time is when you, you already know a band, so you already like them and listen to them. But then you go see them live and they drop their new single before you've heard it before. Yeah. And so you see it live and you're like, oh, this is really cool, but I don't know how to sing along to it. And then the first time you hear it on Spotify with your headphones, it's such a throwback. It It's the most nostalgic thing that yeah. it can... It has such a powerful impact on you. Um, it's my favorite thing. So if you already like bands, you should see them live. So then when you hear all their new songs, the songs they're working on, you're gonna prefer you you're literally going to like them more later. You can be there, guys. Like I was there, you know. Exactly. I, I it's yeah. it's it's amazing. <laughs> that, that is a lovely tangent. I'm happy to, to indulge you to do that. But um <laughs> we'll keep moving because we've still got I'm looking at the poster behind you, I'm like, fuck, we've still got a couple of things okay. to talk about. We so <laughs> hold fire our local heroes. So uh-huh. um one of their band members was out last year with our with another band called Locals. Um, and so we just love those guys. They're super local. Oh, I keep saying local, but they are super close to the festival site. Yeah. Um, they're producing really cool stuff at the moment and they just put out a new song this week. Cool. Um, so super stoked to support them. Leslie D. King is once again local. Uh, he lives... 20 kilometers away from the festival site wow um so he's reese's friend and reese just kind of sent me this link and i responded with oh yeah this guy's cool who's that and he's like that's my friend who lives right next to the festival site that slam dunk it was just like put him on the bill (laughs) yeah no it was but that's that's how we like to book it's just (laughs) great yeah that's good man especially with like the bigger acts and the dealing with agents and all that kind of stuff it must be refreshing to be like this guy's great get him in turns out we know him it's easy and that's that's such a good we're doing a lot of good segues here <laughs> Malin boys yeah we put up a post saying because this was kind of you know to get traction but to also hear what people think we said who do you want to see at Lockhart 2019 before we announced the bill uh-huh. we had maybe half it booked and I think we got maybe 80 tags of Malin boys and really click on their Facebook they have six likes and you're like <laughs> How did 80 people tag these guys if they've got six likes? Yeah, yeah. And I got inboxes about them. And then some of my friends messaged me being like, you should actually listen to the Melon Boys. They go off at house parties. Oh, cool. And then it just all... I listened to them and I thought to myself, these guys sound really cool. They're really surfer rocky again yeah yeah and oh it's one of the ones again one of the bands that i in that playlist i go oh, who's this or oh, melon boys that's that's for me that's, that's, one, so of my, perfect. that's one of my ones yeah. I, I vetted one of my friends and i asked him i was is this a gimmick or are these guys actually really cool at house parties and he said dude they go off i only wish we had them at our house parties Sick. and i thought to myself that's what the festival's built on yeah if i don't book the melon boys then what am i <laughs> what nothing. am I doing? Yeah, what am I doing? Um, so we went and booked the Malin Boys. <laughs> Great. Which was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm stoked. Um, Memphis LK. So she's doing a DJ set. Um, she has one absolute banger out. And I think she's releasing another one this month or at the start of next month. Cool. Um, but she goes off as a DJ as well. So it's it's going to be really nice. Yeah. Um, Moaning Lisa. That's a big get. 
Thank you. Off the bat, like I, I've seen them play a few times. I think they, I definitely saw them at the Barn Club. I want to say they might have even played with Wax. Um, yeah. I don't know if that was the case, but I've definitely maybe I'm mixing up two times in my brain due to partiness. But um, I, I really like those guys. They're doing that, you know, '90s throwback kind of grungy kind of, you know, yeah, it's really cool. It's good yeah. stuff. Um, and uh, they were they were funny on stage too, and talking about drinking cheap wine and their horoscopes and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's that's the kind of thing you want at a festival, you know? That's so true too. We as as much as you can, you want good personalities there. Very um, much so. Not that I've met many artists that you'd think that's not a personality type we wouldn't want <laughs> at our festival, but of course. they exist, and you want to make sure that people aren't, you know dickheads or anything sure um but as you just said they're like really cool people so we want them at the festival as much as we want everyone else to love them at the festival mm. so it goes back to that culture thing booking people that have good vibes about them for sure and that's exactly who moaning lisa are i guess great as well as amazing artists yeah uh pira they were they were our first booking for this year Ooh. um so reese found them on a playlist and just said don't know who these guys are but i've just been listening to them and stalked their facebook and they have a really cool video up of them performing new year's eve at a pub and i think we should book them cool and i was like this is pretty like that's pretty bold and we got in contact with them and they were doing some really cool up-and-coming supports they were very enthusiastic they'd love to fly in from sydney and it was just it just felt right and so we just booked them it sounds pretty easy too like well yeah well you know it's a pretty cool festival like if you if you're an up-and-coming artist we're a pretty cool festival to get on the bill for as well um but yeah we booked them and then keen to see them great that's exciting (laughs) um ruby gill is absolutely stunning artist so she's just an got the most amazing voice we um saw her i'm not sure the first time i saw it but i saw her open for cousin tony's brand new firebird at the corner cool um so it was really nice to hear her then lead into them i like that really worked so it's an it's that similar kind of vibe well no she's a she's different to them but she still suits it's still in the right sphere um She's got one song on Spotify now and uh-huh. her hour-long set at the corner was just filled with absolutely amazing songs. Great. So, she just has releases waiting to be <laughs> dropped. Should, hopefully, a couple happen before lockup. Yeah, cool. Uh, Senegambian and Jazz Band, we mentioned earlier. Um, just a huge festival band. You can't yeah. go past them. You've, I've seen them so many times at street festivals and you just... You know, dance, you can eat some food. You can do gonna... anything with Senegambian. They're just, the like, they're a classic. It's just like Smith's chips. Like, you just can't... <laughs> <laughs> you can't fault the Senegambian jazz You can't, you can't go band. past it. Yeah, yeah, no, you need them at a festival. They're a staple. They're... Yeah, I, I agree. That's I, I don't know how they're going to feel about being compared to Smith's chips, but I think that's oh, a, I mean that's that's a glowing review. I mean that in the most positive yeah. way possible. No one's going to say no to Smith's chips. <laughs> exactly. Unless they're maybe like you dip your hand and it might be chicken and you thought it was going to be like plain. You're like, whoa. No one on this festival is chicken chips. Yeah. Don't no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. That should be on the poster, man. Uh, here's a, uh, an unfortunate headline for you that we haven't announced slash fixed yet. 
Traffic Island's actually not playing. Oh no! What happened to Traffic Island? Uh, so Traffic Island, for those playing at home, is the lead singer of Orb, um, and Orb are on tour with King Giz, and King Giz have extended their US tour. So it's one of those things we're in the midst of it right now. We we found out about a week ago, um, but it's really annoying to have to amend the poster as we mentioned before. <laughs> we're gonna cut down some more trees for that. Yeah. So. It's one of those things where we've got another announce coming. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to announce the comedian soon. So when that Ooh, happens, we fine. will update. Will the comedian be like the kind of acting role of like getting up in between bands and kind of doing a bit of stuff? Or can I? We- Let, let's do Zuma because then All we're right. done with artists. All right, Zuma. Do Zuma are uh, such a cool little band out of Geelong. Um, Super funky, very like Zoe Fox and the Rocket Clocks from last year. They were great last year. Yeah, Yeah, she was a massive highlight. Um, And Zuma have those feels for me. Um, We booked them and the next day, I think they announced that they were on Spilt Milk or they got an offer for Spilt Milk and I was very happy that we got them before Spilt Milk noticed them. Yeah, Um, cool. It means we didn't get conflicted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is very fortunate, so... And I'm assuming that's tangentially, I think that's another thing we talk about as well, like booking bands and maybe having them on the line, but then like, oh, we got this or, yeah. you know, I'm assuming there'd be a lot of that happening, you know, before the poster's out, you've got yeah slots so, with people that may fit or may not fit depending on what else is happening around festival season, you know. Yeah. Maybe another added bonus for, you know, being earlier in the year as well, right? Like maybe potentially less, less clashes. Yeah. Falls clash everyone. Falls have a huge... Because there's isn't there like five falls now, like across... Yeah, but they don't let any of their artists play and lead up. Whoa, really? So, if you try and book a falls artist to play you right can... now, you can't. Right. Which is super hard for the artist, but, you know, falls can do that. It's very And they important. also... Yeah, you know, it's a good draw card for them and it works, works mutually, I guess, in a way. Yeah, know? it does. It just means that if you... Uh, we wanted someone quite specific on falls and they're more inclined to still play falls. Yeah. So, it's fair enough, but it's it's a bit disappointing because, you know, we're not stealing tickets away from falls. <laughs> um, hopefully, maybe one day, but... Yeah, hey, man, it's I think you keep this kind of attitude and this kind of trajectory and it's, you know, like people are going to... People are just going to keep jumping on board, man. It's not going to drop off. You know, it's only going to grow with the more podcasts you do with people and the more people tell their friends and you know like that's just that's just the nature of the beast isn't it that's what it's all about so at our post festival survey last year which we actually got a huge response to we had over 50 people over 50 percent of people oh, that wow. came responded to this survey which was phenomenal and i can't remember if i did that or not i feel like a dick if i didn't now but i feel i like never I know it did. was all ambiguous uh but it's just data yeah um and you love data I love data. That's true. It was something crazy. The number one people, number one reason people bought a ticket was because their friends were going. Yeah. And it's so interesting though, because like, don't you think that's kind of a, I, I love that statistic. It was, it was 80% or something. Oh yeah, completely dude. And that's so, exact. like, it's, I feel like I was talked to, I was talked into going to Meredith for years and I was like, nah, I'm not paying that much for like one band I like. I'm yeah. not going. And then I did like the, my first marriage in like 2012 or 13 or something. And I was like, oh shit, I'm never not coming here ever again. <laughs> and then my mission since then has just been like recruiting people. So now it's like all of my friends go. But now it's like, all right, cool. That's sorted. 
now everyone come to Lockhart <laughs> and it's like this now you gotta do this push where it's like you're doing it all again you gotta convince people like no it's fine and you can come and be you know but it's it's totally about you know if you can get a if you can get a core group of people there and then they bring people and then it's just like it's just as an avalanche yeah you know? well hopefully that's because and then it, it's everything in one then you've got your culture you've got your core group you've got hopefully ticket sales enough to cover your costs and then it all goes forward but i just i was genuinely shocked when i saw 80 yeah. percent. you know that was over things that were facebook posts or, or the, the lineup, lineup or, or yeah. the or location, location? Yeah. yeah we're on the same wavelength here <laughs> um I'm trying to think what else would bring people to a festival, right? Like, and they're pretty much it, right? But again, if you can get, like, I saw a really hilarious Onion post and it was, I think it was Onion or Hard Times or one of those like satirical newsy things. And it was like, announces new festival that's just a field you can do drugs in. And it was like, <laughs> oh, that's, you know, like I took it a bit personally because I was like, come on, there's more to it than that. You know, it's, 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 it's about you know, getting out with your friends in the middle of nowhere and watching some bands and no one's going anywhere. I think that's the biggest thing I like about festival is that like no one's got work the next day. Yeah. You know, no one's bailing out to like, you know, oh no, I better not have a big one tonight. It's like everyone's having a big one every night because it's like, that's what you're there for. You don't have to do anything else. And that's the thing that I like the most. It's like a festival time or festival seasons kind of become a bit like weddings or funerals. Like there's no other excuse to not go, you know? Like, if, yeah. if someone was like, we're getting married, you can't be like, oh, sorry, bro, I can't make it. And some specific festivals now in that time of the year have become that, oh, well, we're going. And it's... That's not really... Yeah, that's... I I fully agree. I hadn't quite thought about it or ever articulated it like that, but that's the dream, right? The, yeah. the dream is to get to a festival where people respond like that. They don't even read a lineup. They just say... Oh, we've got that weekend locked in, so... Yeah, that's it. And, like, my friends who are listening to this podcast can attest that I've just been slamming our group chat with, like, hey, Lockhart, come on, Lockhart. (laughs) Who's my tickets Lockhart? Hey, you want a helicopter ride? The Lockhart (laughs) enters competition, you know? Like, there was all that kind of stuff. So, because, yeah, like, I think that transplanting that vibe that we've had at other festivals, like Kennedy's Creek or Meredith or Golden Plans or whatever, um, and then putting it into Lockhart, which is this new young thing filled with love and it's like so much more exciting and like you know be a part of history you know like fingers crossed you know that's i guess that's enough about all that shit tell us about the comedian i feel like people back before are like when's he gonna get to the comedian <laughs> stuff so what, what is this new is this a new development or is it something you've always been thinking about or uh so it is something we've been thinking about and wanted to do last year but kind of bit off enough um very true tess is uh a stand-up comedian so my girlfriend does stand-up comedy that's not a full-time role that's like her equivalent of the music festival but mm, way more terrifying because you've got to get up and impress strangers Um, yeah and so she's intimately connected in the kind of there's a really underground comedy scene i'm probably offending anyone who is a stand-up comedian in saying that but i'd but I as think someone- it's something that, like, as regular people, I'll speak on behalf of regular people <laughs> and you, it's like comedy is something that you might do during comedy festival or maybe, like, someone invites you out for drinks. and like. But it's not something that I guess people think about all the time, right? But those dudes are slugging it, like, every yeah. week. Do debts as well. And I, I don't know if it's intuitive to think, but it's actually a lot like the music scene. So totally. there's all these artists out there that are playing really crappy gigs, like, every week to hopefully make it. And getting support, I assume, and- from bigger 
comedians and hopefully they yep. get to play with them. And getting asked to play bigger and better gigs. And I never even considered that it's the exact same art form in comedy. Mm. You've just got to get your name out there. You've just got to do crappy gigs and start getting booked at better places and getting seen by the right people and, you know, making the right connections. And it's it's just a whole interesting world. And so- there's not even like a row of live anymore to like be... Fa- <laughs> like, what's the, what's the equivalent now if you're a comedian, you get to do like a five-minute bit on like a show that's watched by the nation so hey hey, saturday there's no rove there's no like not sure what the um, i think it's probably even harder to be a comedian now to be honest like yeah i don't know what the dream thing for a comedian is i guess it's just to do a show at (laughs) say the fringe festival and do well yeah um sell out some rooms yeah get some good reviews during comedy festival or something yeah that makes sense um so we haven't announced our comedians yet and I can't give you the inside scoop because it's... Hey, man, I've got enough here. I'm already stoked. We're good. Yeah. And Leave we're pretty, some mystery for the... We're pretty stoked on our announce. Great. So, this is... We've been hanging on to it for... We've been gunning for it for three, four to five months. Pretty much before the lineup was announced, we were chasing... Oh, really? ...one headliner. So, let me unpack that a little bit because it's tricky. Like, being a comedian at a music festival... What kind of time slot yeah, does that yeah. fit into? Sorry. Or is it like, is it, a, is it a role where you get to get up and announce stuff as well as being funny? Or is it a straight up comedy we, set? Or? We're going to do a comedy set. We're going to do a wow. comedy hour. An hour? Yeah. Wow. And um, at what point can I ask? At what point around? Is it on the first day, second day? It's on the second day. It's actually mm-hmm. quite a solid hour. It's going to be over sunset. Cool. Which is pretty dramatic and we've thought long and hard about it whether, you know, I hope that doesn't have any adverse impact on people leaving or anything like that. But I'm quietly confident that people will love it so much that they'll be intrigued and they'll have to be there. Yeah. Um, and so I'm intrigued. I want to be there. Like- it, it's going to be sweet and it's going to just be... A, a, it's, it gives a really nice intermission from day festival to into night it's kind of like okay there's the almost divide if you will yeah so we do the comedy and then we come out like full gun swinging with our artists back to back cool um is the plan and so yeah we've booked four emerging comedians um who in their own right are are kicking absolute goals in the comedy field like so if you looked at our lineup it would be pretty kind of similar in the sense that Alpine Dideri are the headliners. We've got someone of the comedy world of that stature. Yeah. And then, you know, people like Alice Ivy, Genesis Owusu are all huge in the music industry. Um, may not be known to the absolute basic, you know, giant, few, like very few music festival goer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anyone in the music industry or going to festivals knows them. Yeah. Um, and, and, you, and translating that to comedy, exactly. same vibe. They've got, they've got a stamp already they've got their they've got their own crowd so they've got a following on socials and things like that um you know people that are running their own shows at the melbourne comedy fest amazing yeah that's really exciting yeah yeah and it's a totally different dimension to something that you know like and that's what we want to be though we want to be cross-dimensional you you, we want to like start diversifying the festival because (sighs) that's the aim the aim is to have it be you know, a big weekend experience. It's, it is strongly music focused, but things need to go beyond that. And we want that. And I'm, I, you probably know better than me. Have you been to a comedy hour at a music festival? 
Uh, no, I can't say that I have. Mm. I mean, you know, like Meredith's been known to have like a comedian or a, com- yeah. a comedian or whatever to like maybe someone MC. who's on Triple R who might, yeah, MC and do a bit of a joke, but yeah. never like sit down guys because there's an hour of comedy coming. Like that's wild, man. Yeah. It's exciting. So, like, Hills do comedy. Do um, yeah. So they do, oh, okay. I, oh, I might be wrong. They might do a full comedy hour, but from my memory, I've watched comedians on their side stage yeah. and, and I've really liked it. And I can um, and I can imagine like um, that guy Aaron Gox who like is yeah. mates with Violent Soho and stuff and he'll do like I think he played like he did comedy but at the Barwon Club in Geelong like yeah, he did comedy at Hills as well. Yeah so, so it's like I can I can get that, it that connection's there like it's already like the bridge is halfway built you gotta just like put that last plank on top and be like alright that's a thing now you know? yeah and it makes sense it's, it's an art form it's like we want that on a stage and we want to put a mic on those people and we want to listen to them yeah they're, they're interesting um, amazing yeah and we'll probably try and we'll definitely do comedy again but there's another even there's other steps that that can go down hopefully eventually so yeah you know the dream is to do not the dream but one day i'd like to do a storytelling one as well so whether it was kind of it would probably have to be slower than just an hour full of storytelling but yeah i really like the art of storytelling and having someone sit down and having you sit down and have someone tell your story people are bloody interesting you as a podcaster <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, you obviously love listening to people's stories. So oh, yeah, man. It's one of those things that I, I think that even a live storytelling performance would be pretty epic. But you've got to you've got to pick that moment and you've got to pick the crowd and you've got to pick the person. And yeah. There's a lot to There's that. more moving parts in I'm that than... I'm not ready to bite that off. Um, <laughs> we'll see how comedy goes. Because, um, you know, if someone heckles you in comedy... Uh, Presumably, the comedians are going to be funnier and be able to dismiss yeah, them pretty quickly. They're equipped to be able to handle a heckle, but like a storyteller, it's like, oh, dude, they're not equipped to handle yeah, that. You not know? even a heckle, but if just people aren't listening, then it's, yeah. Um, but that's future. Future, future. That's exciting, though. Yeah. You know, like the, the idea that you can take, like, I mean, this is a really way to, good way to, I guess, tie this whole thing together because we've been talking for fucking ages, but, um, you know, taking the data of, what makes a festival great or what makes a party... I mean, not even a festival, a party, like a gathering, you know? Yeah. And, and and shaping all that to create this experience that you're saying, like, yeah, it's not just a music festival. It's, you know, you're trying to make it more than that. And I, I appreciate people like you that are trying to push that as an art form, which it is, you know, like curating and, 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 and ma- making a sweet party weekend and, and seeing the future of that and where you can take it and not just being like, right, we've done it now. It's good. Let's just follow the same formula for the next 20 years you know, that there's this notion that it will keep growing and evolving and that's what excites me about it. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, I would hate to be formulaic. That would, you know, we want things that work and that you you repeat things that are good, but I'd never want someone to come and just know exactly what to expect at the weekend. Yeah. That would be mission failed, <laughs> I would think. Um because otherwise, you're not going to remember anything. You're not going to be able to distinguish between years or, uh, you know. You, there, you always need a moment. Like, to me, every good festival I've been to, if I think about them, just off the top of your head right now, you can... Mm-hmm. You're, you're Listeners, pit- you can do this at home as well. You're picturing yourself in a moment. You're not thinking about the festival as a whole. You're, you know, front of stage to 
beach house is where I am at the last Golden Plains. Mm. That's that, and I'm just like, holy crap! What is this? My spine's tingling, and that's that's my moment at Golden Plains. Yeah. Um, at Hills was um art versus science, and I was just like, holy shit, art versus science! I forgot how like I love all these songs, and I completely forgot about them. Um, and you chase that. Like obviously, I just used two examples of you know, amazing performances because that's what they generally are. Yeah. But there's other moments where you, you know, there's weird moments where you're like obviously just intoxicated and you're just with a friend and you're just looking at the stars or something. You're just like, this is the best. Yeah. Um, for no other reason than it is. And it's not happening like at someone's house. It may be, but, but it's definitely like if you're looking at it statistically, it's happening at a festival it's somewhere. It's intensified and at you're, a festival curating that for them and that's what i appreciate thanks for doing it yeah that's the that's what i chase to do it's the dream um and you have to have all the elements to get that things like location are so key um one of the other things that i think is like really key to culture is byo yeah because it's it's not about saving money per se which is obviously a huge incentive it's about the convenience of like (sighs) not having to deal with tokens or oh, like oh. you can only drink in this area or a fenced off bit or that's e- garbage exactly I, I don't think i'd go to a festival anymore that wasn't byo totally um so things like that they're, they're more than and because that's a festival loss of revenue essentially so we run a bar but the bar is it's five dollar schooners it was last year like I'm not locking myself into that this year but it was like to subsidize oh you don't want to go get a beer well you can get one here for pretty much what you bought it for at the shops. Yeah, right. Um, and that's the thing. It's, you know, it's a loss of revenue. So, people that do cage you up and exchange tokens, that's money. That's that's their margin normally. Yeah. Often, giant festivals break even on ticket sales and make their profit on, on, booze. on things like bar and merch. Huh. Yeah, which is pretty hectic. Yeah. Um, but it's true. So... You know, the mammoth lineup that is Falls costs an extraordinary amount of money, which is why your ticket price is so high. They're not... Oh, I don't actually have... I have no idea, but presumably they're actually getting pretty close to break even by the time you take into consideration logistics and production and staffing. And then more often than yeah, not... Yeah, like you you named your team, they pretty much fit on like, you know, your hands. <laughs> whereas like, I'm assuming the people at Falls or Meredith, like they're like teams of so oh. many people I can imagine that are yeah, like they need to working be. around the clock all year to get that happening, you know? Yeah. So, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, someone like Meredith is pretty similar. Maybe their ticket price, because their ticket price is high, but it has to be because they get huge acts, but then they're BYO. So, then they're taking a huge cut on what... Hmm. they would potentially make on the bar, which is awesome and admirable of a giant festival because there's not many that do that. Like, I actually can't think of another one. Mm. I I can't either. Listeners might be yelling at their car speakers or their headphones right now, but... Not a giant one. Yeah. A party in the paddock, maybe? I think they might be BYO to the campsite, but not the... um, But they're an emerging one. I've actually never been. Yeah, right. Um, Amazing. What's well, really, I, I I appreciate your insight into festivals and organising and all of these things. That it, it, it's exactly what I wanted out of this podcast. <laughs> so I appreciate you uh, you coming on. Any final thoughts? Any final final things before we wrap up? 
oh, I just I gotta say, come down. Like the, the, the like the only thing you can I I was so I'm always so hesitant to sell it because I'm conscious that you know it's my festival and people you know you never want to ask your friends for money. That's that's kind of how I mm. often feel when I sell it. Um, but last year after because I never had a festival and then I saw it last year and now I'm just so happy to say you should come. Like you're missing out if you don't come. I'm telling you, it's the best valued festival in australia at the moment because i know what everything costs i know how much money i lost in it all so it was per ticket that you're purchasing it's the best value festival you get um that's amazing that's great and hey man like, i'm glad you said that but i'll say it as well like come to lockhart it was a great festival i had a fantastic time I am not interviewing anyone else doing a festival for my podcast, you know, like there's something special about yours. I had a fantastic time. I can only imagine this one's going to be so much better, double the size, double the excitement, double the everything, you know. Um, Congratulations on all your hard work, man. Awesome. Thanks very much for having me on. Post Ramble. Uh, look, this one's going to be a little bit of a different one. It's going to be a bit shorter. It was a long podcast, I know. Thank you for sticking with us. And uh, I'm doing it from the car. This is pretty fun. It's, uh, I'm always for efficiency after talking to Jaden Bath. He's an efficient man. He's a spreadsheet man. I think I should record all my podcasts while driving on the way to a destination to just, you know, stop wasting that time. It's, waste, it's dead time. It's dead time I'm just sitting around in this car uh, listening to the Lockhart playlist on, uh, on repeat. But, uh, look, I... Uh, I really love this episode. It was so great for Jaden. A lot of these episodes uh, we've been doing so far on Fuck You Tarot Lady have been me just relying on my friends or previous guests from the Key of Solomon. This was a great one for me. I was a big fan of Lockhart last year. You could tell by listening back in that podcast. I'm like, wow, I really do like this festival a lot. I loved it last year. I can't wait for this year. It was so cool to hit up uh, the Instagram page of Lockhart and be like, hey, can I do a podcast with someone? They're like, yeah, let's get you one with Jaden, the dude who like ran the whole thing. So that was really cool and really exciting. So thanks so much, Jaden, for having me in your house. One thing I loved about his room where we did the podcast was he had, you know, the posters for Lockhart both last year and this year. He had kind of like these A3, you know, like um, I could see, you know, the goals and the plans and the people and like little flow chart kind of looking things. It was very creative in a data way. And that was, I think, the thing I love the most about what I took from the blending of that kind of, you know, like data brain, spreadsheet brain with this creative side of creating something like a festival. And I think that a lot of people forget that you really need both to make something like that happen, you know. Everyone can say, I'd love to start a festival, but without that planning and, you know, goal setting and all these different things, like step by step, you've got to work yourself through it. And, you know, and there you go. What an interesting... What an interesting cat for just being able to pull that out of nowhere. So I think that's the thing I got inspired the most about was when he said that he was like, oh yeah, it was like four years ago I just decided I was going to do this thing. Like, what a fantastic turnaround in such a quick amount of time. I love it. So if any of you out there are feeling like you need to get motivated, I think that's your motivation right there, isn't it? Jaden Bath, deferred from law, practicing law, to start a music festival, did a fantastic job without a hitch almost, except for that water tank almost, you know, and, and he's just done it, and it's great, and I can't wait to go this year, so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's wrapping that up with a nice little bow, now we're going to talk about some more housekeeping for myself, I'm actually going away, I'm on vacay, baby, so this will be my last episode 
uh, for about two weeks, uh, but, and then I've got to get back and then record an episode and then like lazily let it sit there on my computer for a few days and then be like, oh shit, I should edit that and then like record a post ramble, but in my car now to make it easier and then I'll put it all together and then um, <laughs> and then I'll have another episode. So it'll be a little while, about three weeks, um, going away and it's going to be good and yeah, I think the, the best part of this is is that uh, I'm currently working on a, uh, a really exciting little video project and it should be ready to go by about that time as well. So by the time we come back with a new episode, we'll be able to talk about the video. Um, we'll be, uh, I, I want to interview everyone that I'm working with on this project. Everyone is amazing that I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time hanging out with and working with and collaborating. And um, I just every time I have a conversation with any of the people involved in this, I'm like, this would be a good podcast episode for sure. Fuck. So anyway, hopefully there'll be uh, a lot of good podcasts to come out in the next couple of uh, uh, months for when I get back and uh, everyone be safe and happy and I'll see you guys down at Lockhart Music Festival. Cheers guys.